Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up guys, it's Josiah and you're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast. Hey, before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Do you struggle to connect to God's word? Do you wanna learn the Bible? in the next five weeks. We've partnered with the team at The Brand Sunday. Our friend Zach Wendall has released a brand new course called Learn the Bible in Five Weeks. You can find out more in the show notes of today's episode. And as we close out 2023 and we're about to hit a brand new year, would you consider a financial gift of any size to the ministry of young adults today? You can find out more again in the link in the show notes, as well as visit www.youngadults.today and click on give. Here's for today's episode. Well, what's up guys? I'm Micah Keneally and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Josiah. How are you doing? Great guys. It's a blessing to do life and this journey together with you. You're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about the faith Mm -hmm. of the next generation. And we're fanatical about reaching young adults for Christ. And today's topic is going to be about mental health. And our guest, Jacob Coyne, joins us for the first time. Bro, what's up? How you guys doing? We're doing well. We're so happy to have you. And I believe our listener will be too. So we'll see what God does. (laughs) Let's do it. We're excited. Our guest, Jacob Coyne, is the founder of Stay Here, a nonprofit and mental health organization that's really fanatical about raising awareness through bold and encouraging messages and equips others to save lives from suicide. Jacob offers hope and help for the brokenhearted and the hurting. He and his wife, Mariah, have three daughters, fourth on the way, what's up, and living in now East Tennessee and Bro, our paths have crossed, but uh, it's been a while, and I think this episode is has been a long time coming mm-hmm. because yeah. I think that there is. We're going to talk about mental health yeah. and just how Jesus has hope, and um, there's a world out there that's dealing with darkness and suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts, mm-hmm. and is so in need of the hope and encouragement that you have to offer that we find in Jesus. But before we dive into that, can man, can you just catch us up? on your life, what you're working on, and maybe some of your your journey of how you've gotten here today. Oh, yeah. So God's just been doing incredible things over the last year and a half. My family took a big move from the Portland, Oregon area to East Tennessee, and now we're, we're living on a farmhouse, and our neighbors are cows and goats and farmers. You got <laughs> some awesome. dirt. I love it. I love it. I'm from North Dakota. So when anybody says that, I'm like, you go from city life to that, it's a whole new world. It is amazing. It's been challenging to get used to, but we're loving it now. It's it's just beautiful. The view is beautiful out of this window right here. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, our family's loving it over here. We're part of a great church. And this was a move just for our family because I lead a nonprofit about mental health and I travel and, and speak a lot. Um, We wanted to move to a place where our family really can get their roots down deep in a good community. And we wanted to live in a place where it felt like it's just peaceful. It's like a retreat when we're over here Mm -hmm. that we live at. So it's been an awesome journey being here in Johnson City, Tennessee. We're at the Altar Fellowship Church. Our pastor's name is Maddie Montgomery, and it's it's been amazing. But for the last year, um, I've been working on a book. It's coming out. Just it's coming out tomorrow. It's called Stay Here, Uncovering God's Plan to Restore Your Mental Health. So the release date is September 5th. And that that's been an incredible process writing this book. Uh, a lot of tears were shed writing this book, um, bringing Jesus into the world of mental health. Um, sometimes it can be intimidating. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that before, but it feels like the topic of mental health or suicide prevention um, sometimes there's some red tape when it comes to bringing Christianity or Jesus into it. Um, but, you know, with what we do with our organization, Stay Here, we want to save lives now. We want to save lives for eternity. So this this book is it's ama- it's an amazing book. There's, sto- there's stories from people within Gen Z that I know um, that had plans to kill themselves. And they said, no, I want to live. I don't want to die. I, I want to see what God has for me. 
and they've chosen life and now they're, they're thriving. They're in ministry. They're preaching the gospel. They're traveling around the world um, and their, their stay here story is so powerful. So there's tons of stories like that. And uh, the book's out tomorrow. I can't wait for that. And then what else? Uh, in just a few days on September 10th for World Suicide Prevention Day, we have a campaign that we've been working on this year with NFL quarterbacks. And we're about to have uh, 57 NFL quarterbacks. They did one video calling this generation to stay here. So you're going to see all these different legends, Hall of Famers and active QBs saying, stay here. Your life matters. Stay in our huddle. You have so much more in this life. Don't don't give up yet. And this video is going to be played in a couple NFL stadiums. I'm going to be in New York to watch it at the New York Giants versus Dallas Cowboys game. Um, and it's going to be posted by the NFL quarterbacks, by a couple of football teams. Uh, we're, we're really believing it's going to reach millions of people, not for the sake of reaching millions of people, but for the sake of saving lives. It's not just a PSA video. We're able to partner with so many life-saving organizations like BetterHelp and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, um, the 988 Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And they're offering their services for free. BetterHelp is offering free therapy for one month, four sessions for anyone who signs up on QBUnited.org. So we're going to see so many lives saved. This has been such a journey, um, even just for our family. When you get into the mental health space and, and suicide prevention as a believer, um, it, was, it was difficult for our family to get into that. We've had a lot, we had a lot of pushback. You know, people saying, be an evangelist only. Don't don't get into that. Just preach the gospel of Jesus. Um, but I find in the gospels of Jesus, Jesus is constantly reaching after the whole person. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to say the sinner's prayer. Um, he heals the whole heart. He heals you, mind, body, and soul. So mental health matters to Jesus. And that's what he did for us on the cross. He restores us from the inside out. So I, I'm sorry, <laughs> you probably have questions, but... Dude. That's there's so much crazy stuff happening. Congrats. Uh, a few days, and we're so excited about it. This is like the Super Bowl for our organization, the month of September. Yeah. Because it is um suicide prevention month. Yeah, man. You're doing great work. The off-track question, because somebody out there is gonna appreciate this. I remember uh your pastor Maddie Montgomery leading a band called For Today. So I'm just yes. about tell us about worship <laughs> at your church. Is there any Screamo, is there any, you know, like maybe no? a youth night? <laughs> no, <laughs> Maddie is not the same uh, as he was years ago. Cut it, his hair is cut, um, he's wearing Carhartt. Uh, but we have we have a lot of at the church, we have a lot of like old Fort Today fans that are there at the church. Um, uh, but no, our music is, is very. Uh, it's it's got a little bit of the Appalachian sound. I mean, there's a little bit of like the folky bluegrass. Like we have banjos sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and we're singing just, you know, most of the mainstream songs and then altar music. Our church's band, they, they make a lot of their own songs and they're just beautiful. Um, so, no, it's not. It's not crazy. Crazy screamo headbangers at worship. <laughs> We don't have mosh pits. Oh, that's uh, the after party. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too fun. Well, speaking of young adults and the next generation that's that's living and that's going to be arriving, that's already here, Jacob, I'd just be so curious, like, why do you believe that reaching the next generation in our day and age is so vital and important? I mean, you even alluded to in your book, like mm -hmm. there's stories of Gen Zers in there that have, mm -hmm. I don't know the, the books or the stories, but probably people who, like you said, they, they plan to take their own lives. But why do you believe that reaching the next generation is so vital? Oh man, it's so vital because, um, well, I, I have children, so I want to not only raise my own children up in the way that they should go, but I want to make sure that they're surrounded with good leaders to look up to. And you guys are probably full aware of this, that young adults are leaving the church more than ever right now. And we want to change that. We can change that. Um, we, we have to change that. If we don't do something about that, who, who are my children going to look up to? Who's going to pastor them? Who's going to lead them? You know, my kids are eight. 
um, four, almost two, and then one on the way. Uh, I want to see, I want to see people all across the United States that they want to follow, churches that they want to go to, things they want to be a part of. So that's how it was for me uh, when I was when I was a teenager. There's when I got when I gave my life to Jesus. There are so many things I could have been a part of, so many ministry schools, so many great colleges, um, and I want to make sure that it's better for them than it was even for me. Um, so I, young people are going to be the voice of the next generation. The, the people that I listened to and looked up to when I got saved, they're not leading Gen Z anymore. They're, they're not, no one knows their names. I don't want to say their names, but I'm sure you guys kind of can think of some faces and, 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 and uh, people that maybe you looked up to, podcasts that you listened to, sermons that you used to watch on YouTube. Um, but Gen Z aren't listening to those, and Gen Alpha aren't going to listen to those people. They're going to look for the next generation that's right, that's going to be raising up, um, and we have to reach them. We have to reach them. Um, and statistics tell us, I mean, suicide rates, you know, this is what I'm constantly around with our organization, suicide rates are highest amongst Gen Z, ages 13 to 30. Um, that's a little bit beyond Gen Z, but in some countries, in some nations, it's the leading cause of death. Mm -hmm. So drug overdoses and suicide rates are way too high. We have to change this. And uh, if we don't, the enemy is going to steal, kill and destroy people that should be here, right? leading families and leading this generation. And we need them here. We need to do everything we can to fight for them. Bro, it's so good. And I, I believe this with all my heart that one of the greatest testimonies to the transforming power and the work of Jesus mm. finished on the cross and empowered for us today through the Holy Spirit is how he can turn mourning into dancing, sorrow into joy, discouragement and depression into full life again, mm -hmm. uh, new thoughts. And this isn't something that we just try to conjure up on our own. This is, we want to just be clear that it's a transformative work of the Holy Spirit right. that God mm -hmm. can literally turn pain and heal it. He can um, heal hearts. He can heal minds. He can heal bodies. And we just believe that, that that is actually a sign of the resurrection that mm -hmm. Jesus brings dead things back to life. And um, I just think that, that that's so, so powerful. It's so, so important. And I think in the U.S., um, you know, among, what is it, 10 to 14-year-olds and then 13 to 30-year-olds, first or second leading cause of death is suicide. And so talk just for a second about the mental health mm -hmm crisis that's in America and why are you so deeply passionate about it? This is like your life work. Why, why are you so compelled by it? Yeah, I'm compelled by it because it started for me losing my uncle to suicide in 2015. That was heartbreaking and it still is every day. I miss him so much. And when I was a youth pastor, I lost two students to suicide and that just wreaked havoc on the schools that they were in. When, when one student, especially his name, his, his nickname was Chubbs, he took his life. Um, there are two more students in his school that took their life that year. So seeing that take place is, is heartbreaking. And then the last straw for me was when I, I had a friend of mine named Jared Wilson, who was a pastor. He took his life on World Suicide Prevention Day, September 10th, 2019. That's, that's a the sending a message right there. And I, I wish Jared was still here. I wish all of those people were still here. But when Jared took his life for me, that was it. I, I had to understand why people do this because I actually felt like the Lord was speaking to me about Jared. Uh, Jared was somewhat of a mentor to me. Um, he was helping me with writing. And whenever I had phone calls with him, um, he, would, he would kind of tell me some things like there were some struggles of his, fears of his and stuff. And I had dreams where Jared was drowning um, while we were walking on dry ground and we were walking on like a, the shore of a beach, but he was still drowning, even though we're on the sand. And I never reached out to Jared about those dreams because I thought, man, I think Jared's already struggling with anxiety. Um, I don't want to reach out to him because I'm being mentored by him. I can't do that. I can't cross that boundary. I shouldn't say anything. Wouldn't I just make things worse? 
wouldn't I push things over the edge? What if he is really struggling and I plant an idea in his mind? Those are some of the thoughts that I was thinking. And those are myths that so many people believe in about Mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, self-hatred, suicidal ideation. You know, the, the myth is if I ask someone, are you thinking about taking your own life? You're gonna give them that idea and they might do it. You might be responsible for it. Such a lie. That's so not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's proven that if you bring up this topic in a safe way, not in a demeaning way, like, hey, you wouldn't kill yourself, would you? You wouldn't be that stupid to take your own life. But no, if you ask in a, in a safe way, hey, I care about you. Mm-hmm. You sad to the point where you're thinking of taking your own life. If you are, can I help you choose life? I'm here for you. That saves lives. It mm-hmm. saves lives. Four out of five people who are asked a question in that type of way are going to be honest and choose to get help. That's incredible. Like suicide is the most preventable cause of death. So that's my path. Like that's why I'm so into this is because I decided to let my pain of losing people become my purpose. I don't want people to experience what I've experienced with grief. I don't want people to lose friends and family members and pastors to suicide. There is another way. There is another way. Freedom is possible. Healing is possible. Um, And even my wife and I, we've dealt with our own battles with anxiety, with grief, depression. We've had multiple miscarriages um, and, then, and then all the family losses that we've had. We've had months where we're like, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. This is a terrible pain. How do you deal with the weight of this? And then as a Christian, as a believer on staff at a church, dealing with that and feeling like, can I even tell any of my pastors and staff members that I'm struggling or am I going to get benched? Mm-hmm. Am I going to job? Is someone going to replace me? I feel replaceable here. Um, those are the thoughts that so many Christians think. I got to smile. I got to be the the man with the power for the hour. I got to I got to be on, man. And uh, that's what's crushing so many Christians, and it's what's crushing so many non Christians. We mm-hmm. love this fake it. I mean, you look at Instagram. Instagram is like a fashion show. Like it, it's like the runway. There's no honesty on Instagram and the algorithm doesn't even let you be honest. The only stuff that you see on your explore page or your feed is the best, the nicest things. Um, well, so, he- so go there for just a second on social media, because I mean, a, a part of your journey too is providing a message of hope mm-hmm. on TikTok and on yeah. Twitter that's now X or Instagram and I mean, talk as openly as you will about your own journey with social media, because um, I think that it's it's almost like a lot of leaders I talk to mm-hmm. or even listen to this podcast, um, they view it as a ne- necessary evil. It's like, on the one hand, the iPhone mm-hmm. could be the coolest invention in the world because you can FaceTime grandparents and you can, we can have this conversation right now in different states and you could listen to this podcast or you could yeah. grow as, as a leader, as a learner, you could read books, you could take courses. <laughs> and then at the same time, it's like the devil that we put in our pocket. So <laughs> if, if you will, Jake, I know that puts you on the spot, but talk about your own journey with TikTok and, and Instagram. Yeah. Um, I, for whatever reason, I just, when I try to post stuff on different accounts, they just grow. It just grows. Um, YouTube, I think I have 1.5 million subscribers. I've only been doing that since October 2022. And then I fully really stopped in April this year because I've been just so busy with our suicide prevention work. Um, but I went from like 10,000 subs on YouTube to 1.5 million just posting every day. Um, putting time, you know, scheduling it. Here's, I'm going to do one hour a day for YouTube content, one hour a day for this type of content. Um, so it, it's interesting knowing that I can do that. And I, I know that the, the Lord has favor. He puts favor on some people for things like this. I think a lot of it too is, is just understanding the way people think, algor- how algorithms work, 
what the different accounts want from you, basically. <laughs> understanding that if you do that they're going to reward you they're going to give you more views they're going to expose your page to more people um it, it it's it is frustrating seeing that a lot of christian content creators that i know uh, are resorting to like the e-news christianity type of stuff it's like you know so and so's demonic look at their new music video yeah we all know that they're demonic they're not a christian <laughs> like, we're not surprised. Why are we talking about this? But we, we a lot of Christian content creators are resorting to um, this, like, viral type of stuff because that's the only thing that's really working at some times. The algorithm's always changing. That stuff always gets views, the clickbait stuff. And, you know, I, for me, I, I had to question that stuff in my own heart. Why do I do this? Why do I make content? Um, is it to save souls? Is it to teach people? Is it to get people into the local church? Is it to help people understand the Bible and read the Bible? Um, is it to save lives? To get people to say no to suicide? Or is it to feel good? Is it to be able to go to you know a Christian event or conference and have people say, this guy's got a million followers. Come on up to the stage. Why do I do this? And I had to be honest with myself and friends um, and express my own concerns with my own heart and, th and them ask the same question. Why do you guys do this? Did God call you to do this? Mm -hmm. Or did you see a friend of yours do this? And it just seemed like a cool idea or a way to make some extra money and monetize your own self or monetize Jesus. So those are some hard questions that I've had to ask myself. Um, and for me personally, I really kind of walked away from TikTok. I grew TikTok the fastest. I have like a million some followers there. Um, I hardly post on TikTok um, because the content there is is crazy. It's just crazy content. And some people will say, well, you should be posting on TikTok because the content is crazy. Um, but for me personally, I'm just like, I don't, I don't need to be on that app. There, there's wild stuff there. There's a lot of other Christians. I'm not the Messiah. I don't mm -hmm. need, to solve, need to save the world. Jesus will do that. And he'll raise somebody else up to do that. So I know that's probably not an answer that a lot of people are wanting to hear. But yeah. I've come to a realization. Um, I'm not going to. I don't have to do things if Jesus isn't asking me to do them. Uh, I don't. Just because I have a million followers. I don't have to continue to grow that account. If God says stop, I'm going to stop. I would give that account away if someone wanted it. Like I, I don't think the Lord is wanting me to continue with some of these things. I think that there's the yes, it's so good to reach people online. But if you have more of an emphasis on I want to reach people online, I want to reach the millions. But underneath that is... I want to reach my family. I want to reach my city. I want to reach the one in my church. I want to disciple the person face-to-face. -face. If that desire is underneath, I want to reach millions online, you got to check your motives because um, there's so many things that you do online. You, you just can't do these things. And you, you, there's things we do in person that we can't do online. Yeah, yeah 100%. You know, you sick. You, you can't receive communion. You can't baptize people online. Um, you can't, there's, there's something different about meeting in person. And I just so desire that. And I, I really, what, what makes me happy is seeing people who I reached online that are now leading Bible studies. Yeah. They're plugged into the church. They're doing something in person. They're not just consuming content. So I hope that my online content gets people to be online less. That's what I, I want. <laughs> Gen Z spends eight hours a day watching videos. Right. That's what they say. Right. That's so alarming. That's so unhealthy. Full time job. Or, yeah. <laughs> That's overtime. That's crazy. So yeah. I don't want them to binge my stuff. I want them to watch one video and say, man, that's so inspiring. I want more. I can't yeah. find more. I gotta read the Bible. Yeah. There's where more is. Jacob, yes. I love that. I love that even you're going there because I think so many times. I, so many different things I could hit on right now is one, I think is consistency. You being a, 
person that's consistent. And I think even the leaders who are listening to this podcast desire consistency, but with consistency comes discipline. And that yeah. reflects the condition of our heart of why am I posting this? Why do I potentially want to reach the million surface level what I can reach a thousand in my community of 2000 and see them radically change and transform to multiply what God's doing in my life. And they're going to go out and do the same, you know, leading Bible studies, going off to college, whatever that is and looks like. And the third thing I wrote down right here is just like the cause, like why do Christians, like, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we posting content? We want to be content creators, not only consuming and Mm -hmm. When Gen Z is only consuming, I won't say everybody, but when they're consuming eight hours of social media, whatever that is, if that's watching videos, if that's YouTube, if that's binge watching and Netflix, if that's fill in the blank, I mean, TikToking for three, four, five hours and find themselves in a whole different galaxy (laughs) and time zone. I mean, really looking at what does that connection look like when it comes to like social media and mental health, like for the person who's already struggling with mental health or even suicidal thoughts or bouts of depression, should social media be taken into consideration of whether that's a purge or a fast as a believer to realize like, wow, I'm in a comparison trap or I'm, you know, like the desire for marriage, for example, all I see all these people having weddings and it becomes a lust, or maybe it's heartbreaking because you've lost a baby and you see all these people who are pregnant and you're not happy for them because you're walking through your own despair. Like, How can we connect those dots, honoring the story that God's writing in our own lives, loving people and ourselves in the process and not, I don't know, over consuming of social media or cutting ourselves off? Like what does a healthy balance look like maybe for you or for many of the people that you've reached or what advice do you have if people are stuck in this vicious cycle of all of that? Yeah. Oh man, you really have to just be honest with yourself and maybe find someone who could be more honest than you are with your own self and ask them those types of questions. Hey, do you, do you notice in my life if, if, you know, am I, am I just copying what I see on social media? Am I living vicariously through other people? Do you feel like I'm, do you think that I'm happy with the way I'm living my life? And then ask yourself those questions. For me personally, I don't, uh, like to scroll. Um, I get caught in, we call it in our house, the scroll hold. You got caught in the scroll hold. Um, I don't like to do that because I'm prone to compare myself or see a gathering or something like that, or a conference. And the enemy is quick to, to just do the, the old tricks. You didn't get invited. You're not speaking at that thing this year. Um, you're not there. Why aren't you there? Or you should have been there. Why didn't you go to that? Uh, you should be networking. You should be connecting. That all sounds like ambition to me. That doesn't sound like the kingdom of God. So that's what I'm personally prone to. And I've got to stay clear from that. And then also scrolling affects the way I create content um, because I might see someone else's idea. And it's like, oh, that'd be cool if I did my own thing, my own way like that. Instead of getting your your creativity from the source, the creator, I think God has the best content and it's actually, it's meaningful. It's going to last. And, and it's it's something that no one may, has seen before, you know, instead of doing a, a world's version. And then, you know, with it, with the connection, so that's me personally. And then the connection with mental health, um, it's, there's already stats for all this. The tie-in with being isolated and being on your phone and consuming things, your brain is a, such a sponge. I mean, Here's a, a real example for for you for for that happened to me this morning. I got on Instagram just like an hour and a half ago, and I was I follow a uh, pro, couple pro life accounts, and nothing against this pro life account for doing this. This is just this is me. Uh, they they showed a music video from a secular artist named Doja Cat, and she has a couple videos where uh, she's. She's, you know, promoting abortion and the lyrics are crazy. She's like dressed up like a demon in, in this uh, music video. And they're showing the video and the song is so catchy. It's like such a catchy sound. The song got in. They're like playing the song on this pro-life video. And they're saying, this is so demonic. This is what the world's going to. And I had to pray like 30 minutes later, the song's still like 
rolling through my head and I just saw a clip of it. And I'm like, man, this is, this is what people go through on a daily basis, consuming all this content. And then it just stays there. Mm-hmm. This stuff just stays in your head. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. It's what the Bible says. And it's just sitting around there. And the enemy likes to just feed you with more and more and more of it. Get fed by going outside, mm-hmm. <laughs> being yeah. in nature, reading a book, connecting with people, being just solitude, slowing down. Um, and I'm not, I struggle with this. Like I'm just being so super transparent. It's a, such a struggle being a content creator and then also trying to find balance, any balance whatsoever. Um, if any content creators are listening to this, I'm sure you understand this. Um, but that's that's the source of so many suicides that we see and, you know, or self-harm. Self-harm was not, um, it was not really a thing, much of a thing when I was in high school. I graduated high school in 2010. That was not a, really a thing. Maybe one person in my high school. It was a massive high school. One person, two people. Um, not a big thing. Now it's a huge thing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the media. You see it all, all over the all over the place. Yeah. So these ideas come from videos, yeah. Snapchat, TikTok, yeah. whatever it may be. And they that's what people get introduced to and it sticks around. So um the the tie-in is is massive, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's so good. One of my favorite quotes is like what we feed grows and what we starve dies. Yeah. And yeah. I think sometimes we have to starve our flesh of things that we desire, but it's not good for us. <laughs> and the same mm-hmm. with our thought life is taking those thoughts captive. Like that's why we need to be truly transformed by the renewing of our mind each and every single day and taking those thoughts captive. So we can truly understand what God has for each and every single one of us. And Jacob, I remember I was in high school, probably seventh or eighth grade, middle school, whatever. And we actually had a suicide prevention training, quote unquote, to help identify anybody in our class. And I came from a school where it was probably 150 to 200 students, like K through 12. Like I'm talking mm-hmm. before my graduating class. Wow. So really like being trained that at a young age of like what to look for if somebody is potentially getting things prepared behind the scenes, right? And that is giving away of their personal belongings, um, saying strange or off the wall things about them not being around anymore. What are some of those things as pastors and leaders that maybe a couple of warning signs, yes, or a, a couple flag. of red flags yeah. were like, it's good. me, myself as a leader, whoa, I'm not healthy or wow, I have some volunteers or I have some young adults in the ministry or somebody in my church. And instead of just mulling it over of saying like, oh, that's just so-and-so being so-and-so again, they're just more or less a pessimistic person. No, there's a deeper root. And how can we um, identify some of those warning signs? And what do we do once we do identify them? Can you give us like three or four, the top two or three to kind of not blur the line, but be like, okay, here's what we look for. And here's how we can approach that person in love. Yeah, well, in, in church, it's totally different. Um, the happiest people you should watch out for. The biggest smiling, happy people, unless you know it's real Holy Spirit joy. Like the person's just like, I'm watching the blood of Jesus. My life's amazing. That's what we want to see. But, um, you know, if you can look in someone's eyes and see that their eyes aren't smiling, but their their mouth is, um, I would reach out to that person immediately. Or, or even the person that's like, you know, I, I can't wait. They're always talking about leaving and going to heaven. Can't wait to go to heaven. Oh, it's so hard here. This isn't my home. We know. Yeah, we know that. But if someone's always saying that all the time, oh, I, I wish I could just get raptured. Um, why? Why do you wish that? Um, because life is beautiful here. We're, we're supposed to bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven. So that's another thing, like in the Christian world, why, why is that person always talking about dying and going to heaven? How excited they are for that. Or, man, I, I just hope Jesus comes any day now. We all do, but sometimes you got to check on, like, why do you wish that? Are you, are you not happy with your life right now? Um, can I help you with that? And then um, the person who may be showing up constantly to church, and now they're not, you know, they're slowing down. Um, I would check in and it's so simple. 
hey, he used to come four times a month to Wednesday night or to whatever, Sunday. And now you're here twice. Is it, are you playing a sport? Is it some, is it school? Um, how are you doing? Are you okay? Um, or if someone like quit the worship team, someone quit volunteering. I really hope like as a leader, we wouldn't just say, okay, thank you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. Mm-hmm. So those are all like things that I've, I've seen with people who have attempted suicide. All those three, four scenarios I just gave you are all people within the church who have attempted suicide or, or completed suicide. Uh, one of them quit the band and I reached out within the same week and the day that they were going to kill themselves. They were, they already had self-harmed. I got to help save that person's life uh, because of reaching out. So here's how to reach out if you spot some of these things. And then even if you want to go into more of an, an intensive, if you're listening to this, our, our website, stay here, www.stayhere.live, L-I-V-E, um, has a free training called the ACT Suicide Prevention Training. It's like 40 minutes long. Um, it's a video training, really good. We, we go into all that stuff. But what you would do after noticing some of those things is schedule a meeting in a safe place, your house, their house, coffee shop is even an okay place going to walk with them somewhere and just say, Hey, I noticed this. I noticed that there's this change in you. I noticed that you seem to be really happy all the time. You're always putting on a smile, but I know that you're going through stuff. I know your parents are getting a divorce. Do you want to talk about that? Why do you feel like you have to always look like you're happy? You know, you don't have to, it's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to talk about this stuff you're dealing with. Um, and then I would, if they, if you're getting into that type of conversation, I would always ask, Hey, you know, I just want to be sure because I love you because I care about you is, are, are there any thoughts in your head of self-harm or suicide? Have those thoughts come to your mind at all? And look that person right in the eyes. They're going to be honest with you. They will be honest with you. Like I said earlier, four out of five people are going to be honest with you when you ask that question. That's so good. After that. It's so good. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, after that, um, you know, on our website, we've got free therapy you could sign up for. Really good therapy, Christian therapy from Faithful Counseling and BetterHelp. Um, And then we've got the Hope Line, the live chat. So it's not all in your hands. Like if someone says, yes, I have been thinking about taking my life. I would help them. Hey, is there anything that you'd use, like you just said, to to take your life? Let's get rid of that stuff. Let's talk to mom and dad. Let's talk to a pastor. Can we get you into therapy? Here's some more resources. And I would love to just be an accountability friend for you. I want to make sure that you're walking through those things. I want to make sure you're okay. Can I text you or can you text me whenever you're having those thoughts? I just want to pray for you. And I want to make sure that you're going to continue on this journey of choosing life mm-hmm. and going through therapy and going through this journey of healing with your family and with me and some other friends, your pastor. So it's not all in your hands. You're not, I think that's a lot of people's fears. Like, I don't want to ask the question, are you thinking about taking your life? Cause I don't, I don't want to be responsible. Yeah. There's resources. You don't have to carry the weight on your own. Yeah. Yeah. One crazy fun approach I learned that I think could be applicable to a conversation if this would ever need to happen with anybody um, in ministry or anybody outside of ministry. And I was at Hobby Lobby and there was this mom walking around and her daughter came up. She's like, mom, do you want to buy me this? And her mom looks at her and she goes, you know what, honey, I love you too much to give you everything you want. I love you too much to buy you X, Y, or Z. And I was just like, I I told her, I was like, I'm going to adopt that in our household. And I think even approaching, like just derailing the fear of whatever that person is going to think or say, or how they may or may not respond to us even asking that question. And even setting the stage of like, Hey, I love you too much not to ask you this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm saying I've been noticing some behavior changes of X, Y, and Z is that, can you agree or disagree that that's accurate? And then say, Hey, like, because I love you, I'm going to ask a hard question and I don't want you to be offended, but I want you to know how much I care about you. And I just want to know, like, are you having suicidal thoughts? Have you thought about taking your life? Um, Is there anything you're dissatisfied with in life? Maybe you're just disappointed and I'm misreading something a little too deep, but 
Mm-hmm. I think when we set the stage of like, I love you too much not to ask. And the same with salvation. Like we had a friend who became like a fanatical Christian. Now her family's like 65 years old. Dad's the dad's like, I've never even thought about the afterlife. I've never thought about death. Like it's not even on my radar. She's like, how can you not think about death? Because it's going to happen. And they were at a restaurant. She's like, dad and mom, like, I love you too much not to tell you I'm going to heaven when I die. And this is what Jesus has done for me. This is what he's done for you. And it's your choice. If you want to go to heaven, here's how you have to do it. But I can't make that choice for you. Like, I love you too much to leave this table to know that this could be my last conversation. And I think wow. it's the same thing that we take that not like responsibility, but I mean, we, we walk out that mandate of like, Hey, so-and-so I love you too much to let you think that you're worth nothing. So-and-so I love you too much to know that you might be going to hell. Like, why are we withholding the truth? And somebody's breakthrough is through one of our questions that we get to ask. We don't have to ask. We should choose the, that question every time. So if you're listening, wow. maybe that's stir something in your spirit, but Josiah, you got something here? <laughs> oh my gosh. What you just said, I wonder if two of the most caring things that anyone can do is first of all, ask questions and then mm-hmm. follow it up with listening. Right. I wonder mm-hmm. if sometimes, like, I, I just wonder if two of the most caring things that you could possibly do on planet earth is to ask questions mm-hmm. and then listen. It yeah. communicates so much care, so yeah. much love. And uh, I mean, I'm just reminded of a generational researcher, Tim Elmore. He said this about our phones. And it's interesting that almost any time we have a mental health conversation about the next generation or with the next generation, the topic of screen time and social media and phones come up. This is what Dr. Tim Elmore said. He said that when our phones had leashes, we were free. And now that our phones are free, we we have leashes. Like we're wow. tethered to our technology. And I, I think that my own journey is one where uh, I just notice a different feeling mentally as far as joy or overall levels of satisfaction in life and family and just enjoyment or stress or um, tension, all of these things. I can feel different when first thing I wake up and grab my phone in the morning, mm-hmm. ne- that's a negative feeling versus if I do other things, spend time with God, spend time mm-hmm. with my family. And I think that similarly on a family night, we pick up girls, uh, our, our girls and, and just end work. And if I can plug in my phone and not touch it till after bedtime, I feel like, man, that was plug a great to day. unplug. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And uh, I mean, I think if, if I leave the phone at home, Mm-hmm. I just feel so much more dialed in, so much less distracted. And usually then I'll check it, say four or five hours go by. And it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't really miss out on anything. I right. can call that person back. I can reply to a few texts and I really didn't miss much. Well, because we realize that we're narcissistic people. Like, wow, the world went on with me for five hours and nobody reached out yeah. <laughs> over yourself. <laughs> and I'm guilty too. So when I say that, I'm just like, wow, like- <laughs> Don't flatter yourself. <laughs> yeah. And and I just want to encourage the listener with this. Life is such right now that a youth student could be homeschooled or they could do asynchronous learning online. They could enroll in college online. Mm-hmm. They could uh, do remote work as a young adult, a young professional, mm-hmm. work wherever and do remote work, have Zoom meetings and different things. And they could attend church online. And this is what... I just heard Stephen Furtick say this, that he'll meet young adults who say, you're my pastor and I'm living in Austin, Texas. And he goes, great. When did you stream the message online? Oh, I watched it on Instagram. (laughs) And he goes, so this means you think that I'm your pastor from watching a one minute clip on Instagram. And when it came from his mouth that he said this, I was like, whoa, the world is changing. And so I just want us to show up in person for people. I just want to get practical with the challenge after this conversation to ask some of those questions, to communicate care, to invite people over and have a pizza party, break bread, do Mm -hmm. life together, go on a walk, go on a run, do something that's tangible, real life on life Mm -hmm. in person. The next generation needs it so much. And Jacob, we'd love to just throw four or five minutes on the clock and end it with five rapid fire questions. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. All right. Okay, we'll start with this. If you could travel one place and bring one snack, where would you go and what would you bring? <laughs> oh, man. 
right now, my, my, the first thing that came to my head was Cannon Beach in Oregon. Um, my wife and I just missed the coast. I would bring um, sushi. Ooh, okay. See, he knows what's going on. All right. Question number two, what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received. Um, let's see, the best advice I've ever received. That's such a good and hard question. <laughs> Be ready I, in and out of season. <laughs> I think the best question, uh, I mean, the best advice I've ever received is to slow down um, and not strike when the iron's hot. That was from Judah and Chelsea Smith. That's good. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Here's the curveball, <clears throat> Jacob. Loving this conversation. And if you could ask us a question in verse, you can ask Mike and I anything. What would you want to know? To ask you anything? Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask you this. Um, if you could be, would you rather be the first or the first to do something or the best at that thing? I'll go, I'll go first. I'd rather be first because something is better than nothing is what I believe. And somebody's got to move the needle. Somebody's got to be an early adopter. And mm. you know, I, there's always going to come along somebody who's going to break the home run record. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be somebody who does whatever was just done unbelievably, remarkably, world record, life-changing. Somebody's going to do it better. But I think that so often everyone thought that running a four-minute mile was impossible until somebody did it. And now dozens mm. of people have done it. And so I'd rather push the envelope to be apostolic, to be a pioneer, to break mm -hmm. new ground. And somebody else can come along and perfect it or make yeah. it better or move it further. Mm -hmm. But I think that... Um, just showing somebody that it's possible breaking new ground. That matters to me. Yeah. That's I think I would agree with Josiah. Mm. I think we are, well, I think we're both pioneers, but have an entre entrepreneurial spirit. And I think mm. there's something fun not about being like, oh, I'm the first to do whatever. It's like, okay, who do we get a hoist on our shoulders? That's going to be able to go further and faster and just do it better than us. And I think when we recognize and realize that that keeps discipleship and mentorship and friendship and just community in the forefront of our mind of like who's coming with us like you can't go alone so who's linking arms with us in that field to truly pioneer new ground and who's going to be um the predecessor who's like who are we going to host hoist on our shoulders and further god's kingdom in such a beautiful way versus being the best and declaring us as the best because like josiah said someone's just gonna there's always gonna be somebody bigger better faster richer smarter <laughs> But if you're the first there, then they just can make whatever you have better and be more innovative in the process. So really yeah. good. Really Two good. Last okay. questions. Uh, unpack the message Ooh. about the power and the, the significance of staying here. Yeah. If you choose to stay here, there's a legacy that you get to leave. That's good. If you don't choose to stay, um, I've seen it firsthand. It's just chaos. You know, there's the, your own life. Um, if you don't stay for yourself, you're missing out on your future. And if you don't stay for your family and your friends, they're missing out on your future. And they're missing out on a beautiful legacy that you could build, a lasting legacy. Um, but for the people that have lost, there's there's no good legacy that they left behind. There's just, there's pain. We are, we're all in pain, missing them and trying to pick up the pieces. So that's the biggest significance is, um, the enemy doesn't want you to stay because he knows that there's so much more. Your life isn't just about you. It's about the people around you as mm -hmm. well. Um, and the enemy doesn't want you to bring life to any of those people or the generations after you. So staying impacts generations, not just you. That's so good. I think it just reminded quickly about the moment we become a true believer in Jesus Christ, we become a threat to the enemy. And that's yeah. what we should want to be like God is our defender, but we become a threat to the enemy and we want to live and leave a legacy until there's the last breath in our lungs on God's watch, not our own. Mm -hmm. And just kind of just to encourage the listener today um, for the fifth and final question, what hope and encouragement can you bring for maybe somebody who's experiencing the dark thoughts, the mm -hmm. depression, the anxiety, or any other mental challenge that they've been wrestling with? Yeah, uh, I would just say that God, our God is the God who sees you. 
He sees you when you're all alone in your isolation and he can heal what you're hiding. Um, there's, there's a story that's in the last chapter of this book, uh, this amazing young woman named Claire. Um, just, this is just to show you how much God sees you. If you're listening to this, she had a plan to take her own life. She was going to, um, take her life after she got home from visiting all these friends in different States. So she had a kind of like a end of my life tour she was going to do. She bought herself some flowers and just said, when I get home, if the flowers are dead, I, that's my sign to, to die. That's my sign to, to kill myself. Well, uh, one of the visits that she was going to give, her friend was a worship leader. I was speaking at this event. It was called Gen Z for Jesus. And it was in, uh, tech, it was in Dallas, Texas, just last year. And I got to do a suicide prevention portion. So her friend, Bailey, is singing, Gen Z will be suicide free. That's the song she's singing. And then I'm speaking that, I'm preaching that. And I'm, I said, if you, know, if you are battling with suicidal thoughts, raise your hand. We want to pray for you. She's in the front just cheering Bailey on but she raises her hand. Mm. I'm planning on so many people hug her, gather around her, pray for her. She gets freedom guys. When she got home after all visiting all these friends week later, two weeks later, the flowers were not dead. (laughs) They weren't like all rotten and moldy. You know how that happened? Oh yeah. The flowers were preserved. Like they, they, it was like when you dry flowers upside down, they were like this beautifully dried out flowers so she still has the flowers. <laughs> They're not all moldy and nasty and wilted. They were preserved. And for her, it was like, well, even while I was gone, like I didn't do this. The Lord did this as just a sign for me. It's not my time to die. God is preserving me. He's preserving my life like he did these flowers. So I just want to tell you, if you're listening to this and you're battling with mental illness, with pain, grief, depression, suicidal thoughts, he who began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of judgment. Jesus said, I will by no means cast away anyone who comes to me. If you come to Jesus, he won't cast you away. He won't push you away. No matter how bad your pain is, Jesus can handle it. And it might feel crazy. It might feel like you're going crazy sometimes, but you are not crazy. Jesus can handle this stuff. And even when you're not feeling okay, Jesus is always okay. You can always come to him and you can always give him the stuff that's on your shoulders and he's strong enough. He's able to heal you and he's able to bring you into a new community. If you need community, if you're isolated and you need help, you need hope. He can lead you to the right people that are going to carry this weight with you. Amen. It's amazing. And the message is stay here. The guest is Jacob Coyne and there is always hope. There is always healing and there's always help. You're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.